Let's turn in our New Testaments to Hebrews 10, 11 through 13. We're going to take a week away from 2 Timothy, and we're going to really kind of move toward this table that God has set for us this morning. Hebrews 10, 11 through 13. We've got Bibles under the pews. If you uh, need a copy, just reach under, and you'll find Bibles as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as I was just sung, you are the... You are the Lord of our shame. You are the Lord of our sinful hearts. Uh, Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for what you have done for us. We're, We're so needy, and you have more than met our need. And God, through the Scriptures this morning, through the work of your Spirit, would you give us rest and peace in you and a beautiful banquet? of love with you we pray these things in jesus name amen hebrews 10 11 through 13 this is the very word of god i like saying that every week this is the word of god and every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Now, I can picture a place right now. And I think as I describe this place, you'll be able to kind of maybe go to a similar place But I can picture a place, and uh, I'm in a chase lounge by the lake. This is actually in the mountains of North Carolina. And it is morning, and the sun's coming up, and it's quiet. You can hear bird sounds. You can hear fish sounds. It's just that quiet that some of the other noises become, you know, Uh, amplified in your hearing but it feels compared to ordinary life it feels very quiet it is cool it is crisp the lake is mirror smooth it is so peaceful in fact the reason i can can tell you with such detail this moment that i experienced is because It is memorable because it is so, so peaceful and so restful. Have you ever had an experience like that? you ever just been in a place that all of a sudden you realized that it was just peace and it was just rest? By the lake, it's peaceful and it encourages my heart to be peaceful. You know, when I'm in a situation like that, the problem's not where I am it's not what's going on the outside of me it's what's going on the inside of me and a lot of times the inside of me doesn't match up with with this kind of peace that that is going on on the outside because I don't know about your thoughts but my thoughts can be anything but placid Uh, there's so much to think about there's so much to do there there's so many things to be concerned about and to fret about you know, this is the way, way humans are, you know. You know, I think the, the busier and more complicated my life gets, 
through the different stages uh, of my life, I think that peace and rest of heart has greater value to me. I'm not sure when I was really young that I was really blown away by peacefulness. In fact, I think I wanted to not be in a quiet place and go do something. Now, wherever you are, to be able to have some rest in your soul, to be able to have some peace is is extremely valuable. Um, But you and I both know, all know, that um, it's not very often that it's peaceful on the outside. And the lack of peace all around us, you know, threatens to steal our peace as well. You could put it this way. You could say that life in a fallen world is a churn. You know what I mean? It's a churn. I mean, look, on the world scene, stuff is churning, isn't it? And there's threatenings of war. There's these rogue states like North Korea and Iran, and we're hearing about them. And then, you know, we're taken to the the Middle East uh, or someplace in in the East where there's terrorism, and then the terrorism is in Europe. Then the terrorism's in California. And, you know, it's just always happening. It's always churning. And uh, on the national scene, stuff is churning the media is churning. I don't know. I don't know. Is it just me or is the media? I'm talking about all dimensions of the media. Is it just me or has the media gotten more adolescent than Walter Cronkite used to be? It's just churning, y'all. It's life in a fallen world. It's churning inside the beltway. It's churning outside the beltway. On a personal level, in our relationships, stuff is always churning. Relationships experience stress. Sometimes they they tear apart, they fray, and there's just churn. Unhappy things are happening. Stuff with family, stuff with friends, stuff with coworkers, stuff with people. It's just churning. And you know where the real churn is going on is within our own hearts. Like on the inside, there's this churn. The pull of self is always there, you know, and, and, and it, this pull of self takes a thousand and one shapes. And the pull of self, every morning is a new opportunity to lose our peace. And we find ways to do it, you know, because it's just churning and it's happening. And we're struggling with what's happening and we're struggling with what's not happening in our lives. And we compare ourselves to others And we churn. And our expectations are failed, whether they're just or not. And we churn. At some level, your life right now, is it churning at some level? I think it is. If you're you're normal, there's some churn. The churn of the fallen world is nothing new. Listen to these words of God in Genesis 6-5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become... And every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only to do evil all the time. Did you, did, you, did you catch that the inclination of the human heart is self? All the time. It reminds us of Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart, the human heart is deceitful above all things. It is sick. It is wicked, depending on what translation you use. And then, and then that, that incredible part of that verse, who can even know it? 
You know, we can't even know. That's how much churn. That's how much it's all mixed. We can't even really know for certain what our own heart is doing. And so there's just all this movement going on. And, and here's the question. Where, where is the peace and rest? Where can we find the opportunity and the power to cease striving? To take a break on the churn. The scriptures teach us something so beautiful. That the churn of sin triggers the mercy of God. This churn of sin triggers the mercy of God. And without help from God, there's not going to be any peace. Inside I'm talking about. We're left to ourselves. There's not going to be any hope for peace. But God is making a way for us to come home to Him, to, to dwell with Him in this Christian experience, to anywhere along the way, to, to kind of recalibrate with Him regardless of what's going on with this transcendent lover of our souls who brings peace. And I want to describe as we go to this table what that looks like. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.3. The wages of sin, the penalty before a holy God is the death penalty. The penalty for sin is death. And in the Old Testament, God allowed this particular punishment, death, to be carried out on substitutes sacrificial animals shedding blood literally receiving the death penalty so that human beings did not have to you understand that's why the lambs the bulls the goats were being sacrificed because the penalty for for sin before a holy god is death god says in hebrews without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins it's life for life it's 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 the death penalty and um, we can't even begin to imagine the, the continuous number of animals that died in the tabernacle and the temple. I think we think of the tabernacle and the temple, I think we automatically go to how God dictated the beautiful cloth and all this about the, the tabernacle. It was gorgeous. Our best decorating Mississippi decorating lady can't decorate it any better than God did. And then the temple, you know, it, was, it, was, it had foundations. It didn't move around, and God dictated what that temple, and it was gorgeous. And we, we think about the grandeur of the temple. We think how the temple was that connection between God and, and the world, that the overlap of heaven and earth and God's name and his glory, the Shekinah glory, dealt, uh, dwelt rather in the temple. That's what we think about. But there's a whole other side of the temple. There's blood running in the temple all day long, every day. I grew up in a little town in North Florida called Quincy, Florida. If you're visiting, if you're not, you're probably going, he's talking about his hometown again. Um, but in my little hometown, real close to where we practiced baseball, we could just ride our bike to everything, you know, in my little town. Um, sounds like a song, in my little town. Um, the Frosty Morn, that's the name of the brand, Frosty Morn Meatpacking uh, Meat Plant was there. 
I'm telling you, you, you are practicing baseball, and you have never heard a sound of cows and pigs dying right there in stalls. They are screaming. And you don't want to ride by the frosty morn plant because it just stinks to high heaven because there's just blood everywhere. You know, it makes you kind of not want to eat sausage and all this other stuff. I only tell you that because we think of the temple and the beauty of the temple and the worship and all these cool things. I mean, the closest I've ever been really in reality to this other dimension of the temple is riding my bike just past frosty morn and hearing the animals die. But the problem was, in Hebrews 10.10, the first verse of our text today, is that those sacrifices made by the priests in the temple only covered over sin. I mean, he did cover over sin. The blood of bulls and goats and lambs never, quote, took away sin. Look at the text. Never took away sin, like once and for all. That's why they had to repeat it. That's why those cows were, and the bulls, and that's why they were screaming in the temple, just like they were screaming in Frosty Morn Pack meat packing house. Hebrews 10.10, our text, and and every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never completely take away sin. I cannot convey to you what a busy beehive of blood this place was. And it was, it was... It, you could, in this dimension of the temple I'm talking about, it was one repetitive place. It says there in the scripture, offering repeatedly because it didn't take away sins. It was one repetitive and one gory place. Here's what was going on in the temple. Consecrate, kill, repeat. It's like the shampoo bottle, except a lot worse. Consecrate the animal to God, kill it. Sacrifice it, repeat. Consecrate, kill, repeat. Consecrate, kill, repeat. Because the penalty before a holy God, like God's not messing around with sin, it's death. It's life for life. That's how holy God is. I was trying to think, what is this repetition in the the temple like? Maybe it's like a priestly version of the movie Groundhog Day. Y'all remember the movie Groundhog Day? I love the movie Groundhog Day. I'm, I'm probably not supposed to like recommend movies because y'all will go, we need to watch Groundhog Day with our kids and there's some cuss word or something that I didn't remember. Like Pastor Wheat recommended this movie. So it's been a while since I've seen Groundhog Day, so please don't hold me accountable to every word. I don't remember them. Please, parents, watch Groundhog Day first before you watch it with your family and make a decision whether your pastor's a heretic or not after you've watched In Groundhog Day, Bill Murray is a cranky, smart-alecky, kind of crusty weatherman who gets sent to to Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. That's kind of where they have the groundhog ceremony and which way the shadow is on the groundhog. And they hold up the groundhog and declare, you know, when spring's going to come and and all this stuff. And so uh, that's that's the setting of the movie. And and so he doesn't want to be there. And there's all this backstory, but somehow... He gets caught in this endless time loop. And he goes to bed in his, his room in the boarding house. And, you know, it's a clock radio. For those of you who are young, we used to have clock radios. It's like the radio would come on. You know, whatever song was coming on or news was coming on, you just set the radio to come on at a certain time to wake you up. 
instead of an alarm, clock radio. Well, next morning he wakes up and Sonny and Cher are singing I Got You, Babe on the clock radio. You know, nothing unusual with that. It's just what's going on on the radio. He gets up, puts his clothes on, he goes out the door, and there's this older man who who wants to try to talk to him in the stairwell, but he's cranky and he 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 doesn't talk to the man. Then he goes downstairs, he runs across the street, and then there's somebody that he used to know in high school that says, hey, and comes up and tries to sell him insurance. All right? So he goes to bed that night, and he wakes up, same exact time, and it's Sonny and Cher on the radio. He goes outside, there's the guy, exact same thing, trying to, trying to talk to him, uh, exact same thing with his friend. It's hilarious. Like day three, three the guy comes up, he goes, hey, we haven't seen each other. And he just punches him in the mouth. <laughs> But it's all going to be okay because you're just going to wake up and start over, you know. Uh, don't want to give away too much of the movie. <laughs> it's always cold again. Every day is the exact same as yesterday. It's temple. It's just this endless loop of sin. Therefore, it's an endless loop of blood. Hey, what are the priests going to do today in the temple? What's on the priest's schedule today? Kill, consecrate, kill, repeat. Consecrate, kill, repeat. More personally, it does remind me of the real constancy of my own sinful heart. Every day is a new day to be selfish and to lose our peace. New opportunity. And many of us know what it is to live in a groundhog day of our own particular sins. It's just a loop. And so, the words, it is finished, that Jesus uttered on the cross, really mean it is finished. Every day, you know, it says in the text, the, the priest stands at his duty, offering, offering repeatedly for sins that, that don't take away, or for that can't take, sacrifices that can't take away sin. But, but Jesus offered once and for all himself as a sacrifice, and then he sat down. Jesus said it's finished, and what he meant by that is, it's finished. No more sacrifices grace of God has come to us through the perfect Lamb of God. The one sacrifice, God and man, sacrificing for the first time as God and man for sin against God. And this does take away sin. All this to bring us to himself. All this to bring peace in the midst of the churn. Hebrews 12, 2, just a couple of Uh, chapters later i read from the niv 84 let us fix our eyes therefore on jesus who is the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and look at this and sat down at the right hand of god you know there's a lot of um, furniture in the temple you know there were tables with bread on it and there were basins and there were lathes and uh there were candelabras and i know i'm leaving out someday there's a lot of furniture in the temple there were no chairs because you didn't sit down jesus sacrificed and he sat down and do you know why 
He sat down, sitting down in the Old Testament and the New Testament signifies that something is completed and you can rest. He sat down because it was finished and you can rest. And he sat down because it was finished and you can rest and he is saying, this is for you. And this sacrifice is just as good tomorrow as it is today. And you know what that means is you actually are forgiven before me. And you can rest because of this sacrifice. Now we can come to God and have peace with God through Jesus Christ in the final sacrifice. And he sat down. Now we can live with God and have peace of conscience because Jesus died and we can always go to him and he always receives us why because our sins are always taken care of because it was the final sacrifice it was the one that endures forever now we can find rest in the midst of a churning world why because we have a connection with god who will love us even in the midst of our real lives now we can come to this table of the body and blood because he has sacrificed himself and he sat down and it's finished. Don't you love that? Priest, loop, blood. And then he sacrificed once and for all for sin. He sat down, he rested, he gave us rest. But there's more, there's more. He sat down not only because of the work of redemption accomplished, he sat down also because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what kings do. They sit down on something called a what? Yeah, on a throne. Kings aren't standing up. When you appear before a king, he's not standing up. He's sitting down because sitting down means I have subdued this kingdom. I run this kingdom. I'm in charge. Sitting was a sign of authority in the Old and New Testament. The king sits. The great book by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you've not read it, I would recommend you read it. Also, you can watch the movie. Not as good as the book, but it's good. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, this great epic saga about the battle between Aslan uh, symbolizing Jesus and the White Witch. And these four kids that are caught in this cosmic struggle and and the struggles that they have and the courage and the faith that summoned. And it's this incredibly well-told story. And finally in chapter 17, you you come to this place where uh, the battle has been won and the white witch has been defeated. And all of a sudden we're in a palace at a place called Care Paravelle. If you've not read the book, just stay with me, okay? But the big moment in the book, kind of where, where all of a sudden all the tension is released about is, is the white witch going to win, is when these four children are now suddenly grown up and they sit on four thrones and they are crowned and they sit and there's peace and there's joy because of subduing of the white witch by Aslan. The battle is finally won. There's rest in the land. You know, a priest stands at his duty every day and and he just keeps sacrificing over and over because it it doesn't take away sin. But, But Jesus came and 
He was God and man, and He came for us, and He sacrificed as our great high priest once and for all, the only sacrifice that could assuage God forever, and that is God and man assuaging, uh, making sacrifice for a holy God to be able to forgive us. You know, I can't die for your sins before God because God is eternal and I'm not an eternal creature. And I could pay your parking ticket, but I cannot take away your sins before God by my own death. But only Jesus, the God-man, could do that because that's eternal sin and it took an eternal Jesus to pay for eternal sin. That's the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, our high priest who offered himself. In verse 13, we read this. I'll start in 12. But when, when this priest had offered for, one, for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Look at, listen to this. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. He reigns. He rules. And it's, and it's all going to come to a conclusion. Y'all know he reigns now, even though there's a churn, even though there's all kind of things breaking loose in the world. He's completely sovereign. He is shaping his people, even through the churn. He is making us holy through the churn. If you're going through stuff in your life, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're bad. It just means you're normal. And you're in a fallen world and God's shaping us. If we'll turn to Him through this churn. But one day we're going to be in a place where there's no churn. Can you imagine no churn? It's called heaven. We're going to be there with our Savior and King and He's going to be on the throne and we're going to see Him with our own eyes, with my eyes, and not another, but me. We're going to see him and all the enemies of Christ, the ones that reside on the inside of us and the ones that reside on the outside of us are going to be vanquished and it's going to be complete and we will live in that happy, bright, energetic peace That peace is offered to us internally now. We will be no less connected with Jesus in heaven before the throne than we are connected right now because we have union with God through Jesus Christ right now. You know we don't have to face this churn on our own. It's so wonderful. So how do people who are churning find that rest and peace, at least begin to find some rest and peace in this world? I tell you, it's very simple. It's by coming to Jesus instead of going to our own selves and our own devices. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will, with me, Jesus says, find rest for your weary souls. Here's how peace reenters our life. We come to Jesus in faith. Sometimes that means there are probably people here. We've got to come to Jesus for the first time. We've got to turn away from all our own righteousness to, to try to win a relationship with God. Look, it's the death penalty. You can't do it. Even your own death won't do it. And so someone else has done it for us. We turn from our sin. We turn from, from this independency. And we put our trust in Jesus. And we know that we know that we have a relationship with God that has been won by Jesus. It can't be made worse or better by us. It's finished. It is. 
Don't you love the fact that grace is and we can't mess it up? But you get to live into it. We get to have rest, peace with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Some people need to do that for the first time this morning. But how, how do people who, have already, who already belong to Jesus who are, and who are churning come to Jesus? We certainly can, can turn to what he has done and say, God, I, I, I need your peace. I, I need to, to see again where my peace comes from. I, I need, I'm prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. I need to come back to this relationship with you. But, but I tell you what, this morning, we are so helped. You see this table in front of me? Jesus himself instituted this table. You know, Jesus gave us this table because he knew we would forget where our peace comes from. He, he, he knows that we churn as human beings. And he has given us this big help to, to be able to focus on him and the true meaning of our peace. And, and like, you know, in communion, you see this? I mean, why do why we have to do that? Why, could, why can't we just, just say, you know, let's just close our eyes and remember Jesus? No, we, we have this because we touch it. You know, we have this because we touch it and we taste it. It's real because God so loved the world that he actually came down here. He actually had a body. He actually took our place. And Jesus wants us to, to taste and touch and hold and remember where our peace comes from. That's why he has given us this table and um, we need to believe the words, it is finished again. We, we need to remember that Jesus sacrificed and he sat down because it was complete. We need to receive anew his grace. I don't mean be saved again. Just go back to that cool, clear headwater, that clear, cool water of grace that we need, that God just wants to flow to us through uh, faith, through this table we need to repent anew and say, God, it's me again. And I'm so glad you, you gave me this table because I always need it. And I just need to come back to you. And God takes us back, so to speak, every single time. And finally, we need to recognize his loving kingship. And know that in our lives, finally, it's going to be okay. All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. It's going to be okay. And we can rest because we know him and he's not going to ever cast us out. We can rest because he's king and he's sovereign over our lives and, and he's actually in charge and we can rejoice. So as we approach the table, let me close by uh, just reading our text again. Okay, close your eyes for a minute, all right? Because I want you to see this priest doing this, all right? Verse 10, every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his, his feet. Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus sat down, and Jesus is coming 
again. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, would you help us in the midst of this churn now to, to focus through this table on peace with God through Jesus Christ. Lord, we, 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 don't, we know that peace doesn't mean everything in our life becomes okay and everybody will change toward us. We know that it is a peace that you give us on the inside by faith. And Lord, would you just bring us yet again straight up and close and personal with tasting, touching, holding, and remembering that you actually gave your actual self for us and it is finished would you bless your people we pray in jesus name